the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Cynthia Hyatt is a Christian psychotherapist specializing in trauma therapy, couples, relationships, and personal development. She is passionate about your life and is here to encourage, teach, and inspire you to be your own best version. Find her online at CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Now, with today's fresh insights, Cynthia Hyatt. Well, good afternoon. I'm so glad to be meeting with you today, and I hope that your Sunday is going well and that you're really preparing for the new week that is coming with all the uh, things that God has in store for us. So today's show, this may be a two-part series, and I know I don't like to do two-part series, but sometimes I can't help it. I just keep on writing, and I keep on thinking of more things I can tell you, and so I keep on writing, and so I'm, I'm not sure this will fit into one hour. But this particular show I entitled, How to Stay Motivated and Be Inspired. Because, you know, that is tough, being motivated, and sometimes life is not very inspiring. And so I have a whole bunch of different sayings that I, uh, quotations from people that I really like that are inspiring sayings. So the first one, this is from Thomas Carlyle, and he says, let him who would be moved to convince others be first moved to convince himself. I love that. I'm going to read it again. Let him who would be moved to convince others be first moved to convince himself. And then a saying that I had made up a couple years ago is we motivate to inspire and we inspire to motivate. So we motivate people to get inspirational ideas and, and new things from them and new behaviors, and then we inspire them to be motivated to change or to keep going or to do new things. And so motivation and inspiration are kind of like the Wonder Twins, you know? It's like the Wonder Twins unite. So really, what is motivation? Well, motivation is this inner drive to behave or act in a certain manner. And these inner conditions, such as wishes and desires and goals, activate and help to move us in a particular direction or behavior. It's the driving force that causes the flux from desire to will. So it helps us to not just have the idea and the desire to do something. We actually are able to motivate and engage and will that idea to come to life. So let's look about what's the word inspirational? What is inspiring? Well, inspirational is something that makes someone want to do something or that gives someone an idea about what to do or create. It's a force or an influence that inspires someone. So inspiration, when we inspire people, we are helping to give them some energy 
to do whatever that idea is or that change that needs to happen or that that, that um, wonderful benevolent thing they want to do or to, to be able to act out of courage and not always need confidence but to just do it afraid. And so this is where it's a person, a place, an experience that makes someone want to create and do something different. So sometimes the inspiration is negative, right? Sometimes people inspire me to not ever want to go to their house again, <laughs> right? Sometimes I'm inspired to never go to that restaurant again or not eat a particular food. So sometimes it's a negative inspiration. But the word inspire is an energy. It's like starting a fire. And then the motivation is what am I going to do with a fire? Where is it going to go? How am I going to keep it going? So inspiration, it's, a, it's like a good idea. So I like this uh, saying by Johann Gottfried von Herder. He says, without inspiration, the best powers of the mind remain dormant. There is a fuel in us which needs to be ignited with sparks. So that's kind of what inspiration does, is it keeps that fire going. So what motivates you? What demotivates you? Well, think, think about the word. The concept of motivation and inspiration. Something very special about being able to motivate and inspire others to accomplish good and meaningful exploits. To permanently affect positive change in the life of another human being. And that other human being also includes you. I need to be able to inspire and motivate myself. I can't wait for all my inspiration and motivation to come from outside of me. So in order to accomplish this, you must believe in what you're doing. Not be ashamed or self-conscious about promoting it. And there must be passion. And if it's only about your life, it doesn't have to be like, you know, changing, you know, the whole North American continent. It can simply be that what I'm doing and I'm not going to be ashamed or self-conscious of changing me, of being the best version of me. Now, see, for me, I think everyone needs therapy. I mean, this is a really hard place to live down here on Earth. And I tell everyone they can benefit from some degree of personal growth and healing. And I've seen the results. And I've experienced it personally, what the effect of the therapeutic process is. So I have great passion and belief in this process. No one needs to talk me into or coerce me or make me be a therapist. You know, I mean, I, I may get tired and I certainly appreciate encouragement, but the motivation to do my job is purely internal. Seriously, I do it for free. If, I mean, if I didn't have to make a living at it, I would, I would do it anyways. This is how passionate I am about the health and the well-being of humans. That's how committed I am to the vision and the mission to serve and heal people. So my motivation is the healing of people. And I get inspired to do it in different ways and creative ways to help these people get to where they need to be, where God has called them to be. So here's a couple of sayings that I've created over the years. This one says, I can't produce or sustain outside of me what is not inside of me. So it always is an internal job. You see, I can say a whole lot of words. And I can even get really emotional about them. 
But if I don't believe in them, you're going to feel it. You're going to know. So I can't produce or sustain outside of me what is not inside of me. So it has to emanate from a belief and a desire and a commitment in me first. Because that's how it is sustainable outside of me. See, the outside emanates from the inside. We work from the inside out. Now, that doesn't mean that it's not helpful to have things from the outside come in. That's part of what therapy is doing. But the initial energy was the person had to call me, make the appointment, come in and do the work. So the outside emanates from the inside. So what's inside of us always shows up outside eventually. We always find ourselves out. So this doesn't mean that we don't obviously need external resources. Obviously, the show that you're listening to. However, my attendance is an intrinsic act. It's emanating from within me. I'm not court-ordered to do this show. I'm not court-ordered to do my job. So that type of energy, that means my attendance at my job, my attendance in my relationships, that's inside. It comes inspired from inside of me. And so this is where I need to understand and address the following concepts and questions so that I understand what it is I'm doing and experiencing, what I am also teaching, mentoring, and role modeling. You see, we're all teachers. Many of us think that we're never seen, nobody notices us, that you know, we can do anything and nobody would care. It's really not true. You have to understand that we are creatures of learning. So we are constantly learning either what we like, what we don't like, what we want to do, what we don't want to do, how we want to be and how we don't want to be. So I always want to be the person that people want to be like. I don't want to give the bad example. I don't want people to say, wow, I don't ever want to be like her. But the nice thing is, if I do make mistakes, I'm happy if people learn from my mistakes so they don't have to make them themselves. (laughs) Saves them a lot of pain. So wise people can learn from others' mistakes or others' successes. So how do we stay personally motivated and inspired? Well, this is what I want you to ask yourself. Do I believe in and have faith in what I'm doing? Do I actually believe in it? Do I have faith in my ability to do it? Not be perfect. See, so for you... This is what this means. This is by John Quincy Adams. He says, in your actions, inspire others to dream more, learn more, do more, and become more. You are a leader. And there are many types of leaders. But because of the way that God has created humans, all of us are leading in some way. So we are either leading people into ways to be or in ways to not be. We are either giving people courage to try new things and we're leading them into trying new things or we're leading them away from something. So I'm telling you the truth. I'm not a good salesperson. But when I believe in something, when I think I can change lives, when it's affected my life personally and positively, I have a great deal of energy to to promote what works. 
because I want others to experience what I've experienced. I want them to have what I have. And as a result, I become greatly motivated to inspire and motivate others. You see, you can't motivate others if you're not motivated by your own life or your own vision or your own mission. If you don't believe in something, others won't either. See, motivation and inspiration are very contagious. Just as negativity, cynicism, skepticism is. Leaders motivate. And they must be intrinsically motivated. So even if the leadership that you do is your children, what if it's just being a good driver on the road? There are so many ways that we lead. See, if I don't believe in it, why would anyone else? So I must have the passion and the desire to promote what I believe in in a way that's unique and authentic to me. That's part of being a congruent person. It's being a person of integrity. And it's being a person that has the insides generally match the outsides. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Thank you so much for being with me on this show. And join me in the next segment as we talk more about motivation and inspiration. So welcome back. You're listening to Conversations with Cynthia. And if you're just tuning in, you can always go to my website at CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. All the shows are loaded on the website. You can also find them on your favorite podcast server, as well as the radio station's website has all these shows as well. So you can listen to them. You can send them to your friends. And I really encourage you to do that. I have lots of people that make, uh, actually have small groups, and they are using the, the radio show as a way to talk about a particular topic with a small group. So you can do lots of things, but more than anything, this is designed for you to be your own best version. This is for, this is for you to be who God has called you to be so that you enjoy the one life you get. Because we only get one shot down here. So I have another saying for you that I love. This is by Ronald Reagan, and it's April 11th, 1984. This is what he says. I've always believed that a lot of the trouble in the world would disappear if we were talking to each other instead of talking about each other. So what I want you to think about is, what, what, was, what was President Reagan really trying to get across? Well... He's motivated and inspired to have a more peaceful world. He wants people to get along. Part of his passion was continuity. His passion was congruency. And his passion was that this would be a safe place for people to live. And that people would have the opportunity to be who they wanted to be, who they could be, who they should be. And that they would have the freedom to figure out how to do that. And so we can see that Ronald Reagan was very clear on his motivation, and he was also inspired by it. And so what was motivating him was people. How about this one? I like, this is by Mandy Hale. It is necessary and even vital 
to set standards for your life and the people you allow in it. That's huge. It is necessary, vital, to set standards for your life and the people you allow in it. You see, part of being uninspired and demotivated is if you allow people in your life that are toxic, that don't share the same value system, that, that, that aren't wanting to hear all the things that you want to accomplish and what your heart is and what God is laying on your heart. You have to be careful who you allow into your life and how closely you allow them to be in it. Because that's one of the ways that the enemy of our soul can steal all kinds of wonderful things that God has for us and as to why we are here and why he created us. So this is where you have to ask yourself, am I practicing good boundaries? Am I practicing good self-care? Because if I don't have good boundaries and I'm not caring for me, who I am with 24 hours a day, seven days a week for eternity, then what's going to happen to my inspiration and motivation? It's going to, I'm going to be deflated. I'm going to lose energy. So how personally am I taking other people's feelings and, and hardships and, and irresponsibilities? How, how good am I about holding boundaries so that I can always know who I am, regardless of whether or not someone else believes it? That I don't let others define me. Now, am I practicing forgiveness? Am I letting the relational process cause me to mature and deepen as a person so that I'm someone with more resiliency and flexibility and so I'm a less judgmental person? Am I working on not being perfectionistic and, and controlling? So we get this, this verse, Proverbs twenty nine eighteen, which I love. And it says, where there is no vision, the people perish. So you want to ask yourself, have I lost vision? Have I lost hope? Have I given up? And so I want to encourage you and, and help you to understand that if you've been beaten up a lot, if you have struggled with failures, if, if you've had people get in, in the way of you, they are naysayers, whatever, whatever it may be, I want you to understand that it's okay many times to get external motivation. This is what we get from other people. I'm thankful for my husband, my friends, my colleagues, you know, my assistants, you know, who when sometimes I'm just like, I wonder if I'm really making a difference, right? And they help with that. Now, I can't depend on that. That's not their job to be, you know, propping me up all the time. But it really is okay to understand that the world is a harsh place and wants to beat us down and wants to steal your gift and the whole point of why God has placed you here. So ask yourself, where is my motivation from? Where is my inspiration? Do I need to change it? Do I need to, do I need to be inspired to do something different? Where can I get some help in fueling the fire of my motivation? How can I keep this going? So what personally motivates and inspires me? And do I have habits or behaviors that sabotage me? We all do. We all do. I do. I have things that get in my way. I think if I would just stop doing this, I would probably be this much more successful. Or I would have this much more accomplished. Or it wouldn't be taking me this long to get this project out there. 
But this is the battle that we all fight. So if I judge myself, I'm going to add fuel to that fire. Or actually what, you think, what I want you to think about is whatever fire of motivation you had going, judgment and perfectionism is like water on it. So ask yourself, what's uninspiring and demotivating to me? So I'm going to first start with me. What do I do to uninspire myself? What do I do to demotivate myself? And some of that can be negative thinking. Some of that can be negative behaviors, unhealthy behaviors. Some of that can be a lack of self-care. And what do others do that, are uninsp- that uninspire me or demotivate me? And so do I need to set some good boundaries and maybe have them maybe not quite as close proximity-wise? Or maybe they shouldn't be in my life as often? Because that's part of how I take care of the dream, the vision, the whole point of why you're here. So are my priorities in order? Is the good really the enemy of the best? It may not be. Am I majoring in the majors? Or am I majoring in the minors? Sometimes it's better to be in a relationship than to be right. Because relationships can be highly motivating and inspiring to us. And then ask yourself, am I having fun? Okay? I've got to have some fun somewhere. So ask yourself, what is your kryptonite? Everybody has something that's kryptonite to them. If you figure out which one that is, what is that kryptonite so that I can stay away from it and I can guard against it? Even if for maybe other people, it's not. So are my priorities in order? How do I handle criticism? What are things that I can do that uniquely inspire and motivate me? These are really important things because you are here for a reason. This is not happenstance. And when we get to heaven, we're going to find out all these heroic, amazing wonderful things that people did that were kind of behind the scenes. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next half hour as we talk more about motivation and inspiration. Well, welcome back. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, and you are listening to Conversations with Cynthia. Thank you for joining me, and I always want to thank you for so much of your support and just encouragement on all the social media, and really appreciate your thoughts and questions and comments, all those things. And so I always want to make sure that you can also contact me at CynthiaHyatt at gmail.com. If you have an idea for a show, if you, would, you can email me and say, hey, Will you talk about this or I have a question about this? Whatever that may be. I would love to be able to do that. So we left off on things when we were talking about what is demotivating, what is uninspiring, what kind of habits and behaviors do I have that might sabotage me? What's my kryptonite? So one of the things that I have found that is one of the most common forms of kryptonite to people's souls, their personalities, their inner world, is being your own best enemy. That means having that critic inside of you all the time that's judging, condemning, telling you it's never going to happen, who do you think you are, 
reminding you of all your faults, reminding you of mistakes, whatever that is. So are you your own best or worst enemy? So I have another saying that I made up. I hope you're going to understand this because, I, and I'll, I'll, I'll kind of elaborate so it makes a little more sense. Here, here's how it goes. I have to think enough about myself so that I don't have to think about myself. I have to think enough about myself. I have to think highly of myself. And I have to have thought enough about who I am and who I want to be and what I know is true about me so that I don't have to think about myself so much. See, if I'm trying to ignore myself, it's kind of like in, in a car, right? You want to ignore that, that sound you keep hearing. And so what you want to think about is if I think enough about myself, then I don't have to think about myself all the time. But if I won't give time to me and awareness to me and focus on me, then I am going to then have it forced upon me because I will be making mistakes. I will be saying things. I will have to correct things. I will have behaviors that I don't like that I'm going to try to hide. I'm going to have all kinds of distractions because I haven't thought enough about me and how to best do me so that I don't have to think about me so much. It's kind of like if you don't take care of your car, you have to think about it all the time, right? But if you're taking good care of your car, you just get in it, drive to wherever you want to go. So I can't stay motivated and inspired if I'm not taking good care of myself. If I don't value me, see, this world will eat me alive, chew me up, and spit me out. One of the most difficult things as an adult is that I can't depend on the external or the outside world to meet my internal and inside needs. I'm going to say that one more time. One of the most difficult things about being an adult is accepting that I can't depend on the external or the outside world to meet my internal inside needs. This is what we do for little people. This is what we do for kiddos. They're, they don't even really have an internal world yet. So we're meeting all of those needs for them in hopes that it helps create a wonderful place inside of themselves, that they have good experiences in their childhood and good experiences with their parents, and that builds a really positive internal home. Well, most of us don't get that, and that has so much to do with, my goodness, I think everyone's doing the, really the best that they can. So it's tough. So the internal world, okay, this is where you live. And if it's not a safe place to live, if you don't enjoy being inside of you, if you don't know how to attend to your own needs, to hold yourself accountable for your own thoughts, your own actions, your own compulsions, then you're going to end up thinking about you all the time and so is everyone else. It's kind of like, again, the car that doesn't get taken care of then everybody has to think about it. Everybody has to let you borrow their car. They have to take you places. You have to get money to get a bus. So if you don't take care of the car, you get a whole bunch of other people involved. So this is what you want to think about, being kind to yourself. It creates resiliency, energy, and a greater capacity to love others. This doesn't mean I don't hold myself accountable. That wouldn't be a very good friend. It means 
that I'm kind to myself, that I recognize I live in a fallen body and that it's hard down here. So this, when you do this, this primarily achieves, right? It has a lot to do with how you talk to yourself. Being kind to yourself has so much to do with your internal thought life. How do you think about you? How do I talk to me about myself? And am I responsible for that? This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. We have one more segment to go. Thank you for joining. If you are just tuning in, make sure you check out the website at CynthiaHyatt.com or any of your favorite podcast servers with Conversations with Cynthia. Welcome to the show. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, and you are listening to Conversations with Cynthia. Thank you so much for joining me. If you're just tuning in, we are talking about how to be motivated and stay inspired. So you can go to all the, the, your favorite podcast servers, and I were probably on those servers, so you can listen to the shows there. You can also go to 1360KPXQ Faith Talk Radio. And all the shows that I do are on that website as well. And you can also go to my website, which is CynthiaHyatt.com. Hit the Listen button at the top of the homepage, and there'll be all the shows as well. So you can listen to them from your computer if you'd like. So we left off talking about this idea of a kinder, gentler world. And that this has so much to do with where motivation and inspiration comes from. And that we cannot, as adults depend on the external world to be treating us well so that the world gets good behaviors from us. That's our job as an adult. We do that for children. And so one of the ways that will steal all of my motivation, kill inspiration, is if I have a harsh internal critic inside of me, if I'm my own best enemy, right? I'm the best enemy I've ever had. That is one of the things that no matter how much people are trying to overcome it, they will never be able to overcome you. Only you can overcome you. And if you really want to know the truth, you really can't even do that. You really have to have God help you overcome you. I've said to God before, God help, please overcome me as you have overcome, as I need to overcome myself. Please overcome me. Because I have a hard time standing up to me. So this is important when we look about having a kinder, gentler internal world. So if we look at Luke chapter 6, verse 35, this is out of the Message Bible. And it says, I tell you, love your enemies. Help and give without expecting a return. You'll never, I promise, regret it. Live out this God-created identity the way our Father lives toward us generously and graciously, even when we're at our worst. Our Father is kind. You, be kind. I love that. He says, even when we're at our worst, our Father is kind, so you, be kind. And if you can understand that kindness goes a long way, kindness leads us to repentance, right? Which repentance simply means change, change changing course. So we have this tendency to think that if I'm kind to myself, then I'll really 
get out of control. And what we always find, kindness always leads to change. If I need to change something, if I don't like the way I'm doing something, I need to change a behavior, I need to change a mindset, I need to change an opinion, uh, whatever it is. If I am harsh with myself and judgmental, I will be in so much internal pain, I'll have to do more self-medicating behaviors, not less. See, if the big stick worked, if judgment worked, if withholding affection and love worked, God would be doing it. But it doesn't work. That's why he sent Jesus. So he says, our Father is kind. Be kind. So if you are your enemy, God is telling you, love your enemy and be kind. I mean, we need a kinder, gentler world, don't we? So a kinder, gentler relationship starts with me. It starts with you. This is how we teach people how to treat us. See, for the most part, there will always be those who are going to act just the way they want to without conscience, okay? But I really teach others how to treat me primarily by the way I treat myself and by the way I treat them. So I get a really pretty good version out of most people because of how I talk to myself and how I talk to them. And so I have a lot more energy to be kind and gentle and forgiving and patient and accepting because I'm already doing that with me. And so there's not a deficit inside of me that when I try to be patient with someone, I'm, I am so impatient with myself, I don't even have any patience for them either. So this is how you want to think about As we focus first on our inner world, that is how we affect change in the outer world. So Swami Vinkanda, this is what he says. We are what our thoughts have made us, so take care about what you think. Words are secondary. Thoughts live. They travel far. Think about that. Words are secondary. Thoughts live, they travel far. God thought about us. He imagined, he was inspired to make this universe. And then he spoke it into existence. So the more you think on something, you will eventually start to speak it out loud. And that makes it live. So what's it like inside of you? Would would others want to live in there with you? You know, you can't produce outside of yourself what's not inside of you. You can kind of fake it for a while, but you're not going to be able to pull it off. It won't be authentic. So this means that if anyone interacts with me for any length of time, they will begin to experience my internal world. We can only fake it for so long. So I'm not trying to discourage you. I just want you to understand the point of being a part of something bigger than you. It's intended to change you. It's a place to help you and help others as you've helped them to be the best version of you. This is what happens in groups, whether it be in a church, family, philanthropic groups, sororities, neighborhoods, churches, social groups, whatever it is. We can choose to let the efficiency work for us. That is, while we're developing, mentoring, and supporting others, we have an environment to be positively changed. When I'm doing this inside of me, I have the energy to do it outside of me, 
And so then the entire environment begins to change. And I'll give you an example of this. When I was young, growing up in my family, it was not a very affectionate family. We didn't really say, I love you. There was no hugging. And so as I grew up, went to college, moved, moved away, moved back home, started going back to church as a young adult, really getting my act together with God again. And I went to this charismatic church and everyone hugged everybody. I was mortified. I'm like, what are you doing? Everybody's walking up and hugging me. Everybody's crying. Everyone's telling me they love me. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And so for a time, I wouldn't even go in the beginning. I'd wait till the entire beginning was over and the worship part of it was over. And then I would just listen to the sermon. But, as I, but the sermons were so good that I stayed at this church. And as I did it, I began to go, wow, this really feels good. I didn't realize how good this felt. And so that environment, okay, changed me. Well, guess what I did? I went home to my family and I started hugging everybody and telling them that I loved them. <laughs> and they looked at me like I had three heads, right? But I kept doing it. And you know what now? Here we are 15, 20 years later. Everybody hugs, everybody kisses each other, tells them they love each other. But you know what? Do I get any credit for it? No. I'm the one that started it. <laughs> so I always tease them. But it was a change in environment because one person changed an environment. I went into an environment, was changed, and I brought that change to another environment. So we can choose to be efficient people. The more I change my internal world, the easier it is for me to positively affect the external world. So what does this mean? Am I willing to change my internal dialogue and take responsibility for my own internal world? Am I practicing a positivity ratio? The, the subsequent words I use, both internally and externally, are hopefully more positive than negative. So I like this next saying. This is from C.S. Lewis. He is probably by far my most favorite of all authors of all times. And this is what he says. He says, pain is God's megaphone to a deaf world. And I am consistently telling clients, pain is the greatest motivator of all times. And it's sad to God. He would rather it be pleasure and happiness and love and peace that changed people. But pain is the greatest change motivator of all. And so God allows for pain. Now, he doesn't inflict pain because he's not a, a sadist. But he allows for pain. And so I want you to see pain differently. I want you to see pain as like, what needs to change? Because the sooner I figure out what I need to change, I will have less pain. And whatever it is that I need to change may be really, really hard. So I may need to ask for some help from God, from other sources, clergy, therapists, friends, family, coaches, sponsors, whoever that may be, that you say, you know what, I am in a lot of pain, but apparently I'm not able to change it on my own, so I keep inflicting pain on myself. So I need some external support. How about this saying from Winston Churchill? He says, criticism may not be agreeable, but it is necessary. It fulfills the same function as pain in the human body. It calls attention to an unhealthy state of things. Isn't that amazing? Okay, so here again, what, here's what Winston Churchill said one more time. Criticism may not be agreeable, but it is necessary. It fulfills the same function as pain in the human body. 
It calls attention to an unhealthy state of things. So what are values, right? See, this has everything to do with a value system. So I, ha I may like intellectually agree with a certain value, but am I living it? So values are like a compass. They point us in the direction to go or not to go. It's the compass that points north, but it doesn't tell us how or which road to take. You know, it's like the compass versus a map quest. So values are like a life compass that points you in the direction. Values make a difference between a vital life and a deadened life. Values are kind of a heart action. And they don't always make sense to the world around us. So living my values gives energy, intensity, endurance, and oftentimes single-mindedness to a passion my head feels compelled to justify. So you need to have a value system so that you know when you're breaking it. This is part of a compass. It helps us to understand how far off track we are. Not to be using judgment or condemnation, but to be saying, oh, I'm a little far field here. You know, this value, I'm kind of stretching this value to the point that it might now be breaking. I might be now breaking the value. And this is what adults do. They have an internal value system that guides them, that defines them, that directs them. doesn't mean it's static. It can change. We can add, and sometimes we might say, you know what, that value might have been a little bit more legalistic. Or we might say, I have been avoiding that value because I don't think I can pull it off. So I want to really encourage you this week to think about what is my value system? Because this affects intimacy. When you share a value system with someone, you cut down on a whole bunch of problems in your relationship. If you are trying to have a relationship with someone that does not share your same value system, intimacy is pretty much impossible. So I'm so glad that you listened today. And we're going to finish this next week, I hope. Hopefully we will. You know, I always do have a lot to say, especially about this kind of a topic. So I'm so glad that you joined me today. And I want you to have a blessed week. Make sure you check out the website, all the social media that we have for you. And I really want you to have a blessed life. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Have a great week. To hear today's program again or to share it with someone else, please go online, CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Follow Cynthia on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn at Cynthia Hyatt. Until next time, remember, be your own best version.
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.